we are not talking about the Greek yogurt. Although, that's what I had for breakfast this morning, some Oikos yogurt. And, uh, but the yogurt company did steal this Greek word for their brand. But we are in a four-letter word series this summer, and we're going to have fun doing it. And we are on part five. Part five, and uh, it's a fun one, and I think there's a reason why I chose a five-letter word for a four-letter word series, and we'll unpack that here in a few moments, but uh, I don't know about you, but I'm a person, I hate lines. Anyone else, you hate getting in line, like they are atrocious to you, right? I don't like waiting for things. It's like in and out, I'm a guy that... I'll use that express lane, right, where I can bag my own, scan my own. I don't have to wait in line. It's there. I may have 13 items. I'm still using that 12 item or less lane, all right? How many of you will not use it when you have 13 items? Ah, oh, bless you all. Um, I, always, I always go and ask for forgiveness as soon as I'm done. God, if I sin, forgive me. But uh, there was no one there. I have 13 items. I don't care. I'm going through the 12 item or less line. Or, or I don't know about you, I count when I get in line. The person in front of me, how much groceries do you have? You've got way too much, I'm not getting behind you, right? I'll go check out another line. You know, eh, no, you're, you're too slow. Or I'll look at the cashier. How quickly are they scanning? Are they scanning slow? I don't want to get in your line. You're, you're going to make me stand there too long. You're a fast scanner, I'm getting in your line right there. Right? I do not like lines. I like to move. I've got, thing, I've got people to see things to do, right? Don't hold me up here. There's one place in particular I despise and bless those who work there. The Secretary of State. Oh, my. A couple months ago, I had to go there for, I think, a license plate renewal or something. Maybe my driver's license. I don't remember. But uh, I grabbed number seven, 74 or 76, and they were only on number 14. So I thought to myself, do I stay or do I go? So you know what I did? I got out of there. <laughs> I am not waiting. I got out of there. I had my son with us, and we, I think we went to Five Lakes, did, grabbed some coffee, sat there for a while, went back, and realized they were already on the 60s when I got back because I realized everyone else doesn't like waiting in lines either. They all boogied out of there, which is bonus for me because I actually came back, and I'm like, sweet, you're only like 10 numbers away from me now. But I don't like lines. Many of you don't either. But here's a line that you and I will get in. And we don't mind it as much, per se. And it's a certain time every year. It's the Christmas season. We may not mind getting in line for this. Why? Because there is that one item or two or three or four that we want for a family member that we love or a friend that we care for. Some of us get up at like 3 o'clock in the morning on Black Friday to do this. But we don't mind it as much. Some of us, we may still stay away. But for most of us, we're willing to maybe handle this because there's that special thing that you really want to get for someone. Or think of this. If you're, if you're a parent and you've ever been down to Florida, um, you will stand in lines for this. To go see fake princesses. <laughs> fake. But why do you do it? For the experience of your child to see and see their big smile light up when 
they see that fake princess that you're sitting there going, I could have just dressed my wife up as that princess. It would have been the same. It would have been a whole lot cheaper than going here. But we're willing to wait those lines just to make our kids happy. And I think sometimes in our lives, we have people that we have to get in line for, that we're willing to do it. This demon-possessed man that Jesus radically healed was told, Jesus, I want to go with you. You changed my life. I want to go with you. But Jesus says, no. You got to get in line for some people because I've changed your life. And in Mark, we've read this, Mark chapter 5, let's look at this. It said, here's Jesus' instructions. Go where, friends? Go, go home to your own people. Why? Because you got to go tell them what I did to you. You got to go home and get in line for people who don't know who I am. You got to go home. I know you want to come with me. But you've got vision, you've got mission, you've got purpose for your life. There are people in your life, son, that don't know who I am. Go stand in line with, for them. And this word home is the Greek word. This is where we get our five-letter word this morning from. It's the word oikos. Let me hear you again say oikos. Oikos. It literally means extended household. So it's more than just your immediate family. It's your extended household. Here's another way to put it. It is a group of 8 to 15 people with whom you share life most closely. And here, here's, a, here's a wonderful graph of an oikos, what this means. It can be your friends that you're really close with, that maybe you do life with, your neighbor, a relative, uh, in your schools. Uh, you can also say your workplace or other, your sports teams that you're on. Your extracurricular activities that you're in this club or that club, whatever it is. It's those 8 to 15 people that God has strategically placed in your life to do life with life. Do life on life with. And they're in your life for a reason. And this demonic man was told to go to your oikos. Go back to your own people and share with them who I am and what I did in your life. Interesting to statistic about this idea of oikos is that 95% of all believers give their heart to Jesus because of the primary influence of someone in their oikos. 95% of people come into relationship with Jesus because they have another relationship with someone else that has talked about Jesus or has invited them to church. 95% of us, that means in this room, have come to know Jesus because maybe a friend invited us, maybe a, a parent of ours led us to Jesus, but 95% of us come to know Jesus because of relationships. The other 5% come to know Jesus through just a radical experience. Perhaps it's that drug addict that says, God, I'm about ready to shoot up. You've got to reveal yourself in a miraculous way, and God does do that to people. And they get saved on that spot, and it's a crazy story. But 95, most of the time, people come into relationship with Jesus because of someone in their oikos, someone that God has strategically placed in their life to bring them to that point. And here's what it's cool. It's only 8 to 15. That's about our sphere of influence. 
These are those neighbors that maybe you don't care for your neighbor, but there's a reason why exactly God allowed you to get that home to be placed right next to that neighbor. Or this is that person that you share a cubicle at work with. Eh, you don't really care for them. You know, you wish eventually I get a new cubicle partner. But for whatever reason, God has this person right here every day, Monday through Friday, next to me doing work. They're in your oikos. What does it look like for you to be Jesus intentionally to these 8 to 15 people? Because that demonic man in the tombs had a mission. Yeah, you could go with me, but I need you to go back to your oikos and tell them about me. I'm going to bring up two couples, if you guys would make your way up at this time. I'm going to bring up the Roberts and the Klinglers. And I'm going to give you a practical way how this works. And I've been studying this Greek word for about, I would say, about a month and a half now. I had a great conversation. Um, I was blessed to go to San Diego, California a little over a month ago with my boss. And my wife and I got to go out there, and I spent some time with a, past, a couple pastors out there. And one of the pastors, uh, we had started talking about this idea of oikos and how it completely radicalized just his, the way he deals with people who don't know Jesus. So this morning, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. This is our, our mission as followers of Jesus. If you're not this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, you're off the hook. Sit back, and I hope this inspires you one way or another. But over here, I have the Klinglers, and you guys um, had been believers, are still believers, not had been believers. Um, you still are believers, and you guys have been going how long here to the church now? Together five years. She was going two years before I started coming. And what was, so she was going two years before Steve ever showed up. Oh, this is Jade and Steve, by the way. Hi, church. <laughs> uh, so you, she was going two years prior to you. Why not just go with her all along? I wasn't, uh, I didn't believe that I had to come to a man-made building to believe in God. I felt I could just do that at home, and I just, I'm a strong-willed person, if you don't know me, and I just didn't feel I needed to come here. Hmm. Not that I didn't believe, I just didn't think I had to come here to do it. Sure. And so here the Klinglers are attending here, and eventually... Steve comes, <laughs> and um, I gave a charge the first service. I want to give a charge here as well because I think it's appropriate. Men, rise up and be leaders, spiritual leaders in your home. Women, if your husband or your boyfriend or whoever is not, you rise up. I truly believe if you're going to see revival sweep across America as we are entering a um, a post-Christian culture, it's going to start with men. Majority of women, this is a typical scenario where the wife is coming and the, men, and the husband's at home. That's a typical American, and I'm not saying here at Radiant Life or our community of surgeons, this is the, a typical American story. The wife comes to church, the husband eventually comes, maybe, fingers crossed, maybe he comes, maybe he doesn't. But the wife is the one that bring, is coming and bringing the kids. Men, rise up. 
Amen? Amen. I know I was touching a little, little close to the heart there, man. I know. It was the appropriate time, though. We got to rise up. We got to lead. And women, you lead. You lead as well. When God created Adam and Eve, he called uh, Eve uh, the Ezer. Ezer Kenigno is the Hebrew word there. You know what that means? Suitable helper, but it means you're doing life to life together. Together. So rise up. Where was I going? I did this last service too. Got some, man, got sidetracked there. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say oikos. Turn to your other neighbor and say it's not yogurt. <laughs> All right, so Jade and Steve, here they are. They're coming, and uh, they're believers. Steve has finally come. He's getting plugged in. You guys are growing. Um, and you guys don't know the term oikos, but you guys had an existing oikos. You had a group of friends that were extremely close together, uh, eight, that group of 8 to 15 that God has placed in your guys' life. Explain the makeup of this group of friends that God has placed in your life. So uh, we have a big group of friends which we just do life with. We exercise together. We do dinner together. We see them at least once a week or talk to them once a week. And we um, just know we know what's going on in their families' lives. They know what's going on in our life. We help each other out with struggles and um, just the dynamic is that which is like an extended family. You know, I, I said this the first service, but I'm Aunt Jade to a lot of my friends' children. Um, and I try to live that out because I love their kids just like I would love a niece and nephew or my own. So um, it, that's how close our friend group is. Your friend group. And he, so you guys have this oikos. Um, majority of them are not attending church. You guys are the believers in this group. Now you're growing. You're getting more spiritually on fire. And you're beginning to invite those people that are in this oikos to come to church. What exactly are you saying to these people that you're doing life with in order to get them to come and just experience Jesus here? Well, basically, when we started coming to church, um, we would leave the doors and want to live that out. We would want to be better people. And so we had a change in our lifestyle. We had a change in our hearts. And our friends saw that. And so they would ask us, like, there's just something different. Or, you know, so then that would open up the conversation. Or we would, we would talk about the message that we had heard on the, on the previous Sunday and be like, well, what do you guys think about this? Um, and so we would just open up conversations like that. And we would just say how great Radiant Life is, I think it was the Wesleyan at first, you know, um, before that, but um, just how great it was and how great the music was and that, you know, you should just come out and try it. And when you get together couples for dinner or a family gathering, you talk about what you did your week, what your week was like. And, you know, me being here running sound at the church for three hours on Thursday and then coming in on Sunday morning to run, you just talk about those things because that's what's going on in your life. And so it just continually got brought up that way. And uh, it wasn't really like when we have dinner with people, we didn't push our beliefs so much onto them. We would just talk about our lives. And our friends saw that change in us. And so when we did start talking to them about it, you could see it, you know, you could see it, the light bulbs come on on some people and some people said no. Yeah. And... So this couple over here, uh, the Roberts, had been in your oikos. 
you're starting to invite these people. How long were you guys inviting them to at least come and check out church? Two years. Two years. <laughs> I think for a lot of us, uh, you may invite someone and they say no and we just give up. Two years. What's going on in your guys' head is these, this couple over here has been inviting you for two years, 104 weeks. Um, man, if you're a fisherman, you'll understand it. There's no better topwater fishing bite except for Sunday morning. That was my excuse. And it didn't matter if it was 12 inches of ice. I was telling Steve, hey, man, topwater fishing tomorrow in my boat is going to be the best one ever. That was my excuse. That's Always. your excuse the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. Fishing. Fishing. The best bite is Sunday morning. But now I get bigger bites, and it's never Sunday morning, but it's because I come here on Sunday morning. So it's improved it, guys. It's improved it. So what, what's going on in your head? This couple that you're doing life with is, is inviting. Inviting, um, inviting. I appreciated it because they were never pushy. They were just persistent, and they would tell us their experiences with church. But I grew up um, mainly Catholic, so I had a really hard time with, uh, like Steve, like the idea of having to come to a building to worship God. You know, I always believed in him, but I felt like having to come here was forced where I went before, so that was really hard for me to come back to that. Yeah, and so for about 104 weeks, you're inviting them. I mean, that's 104 weeks of um, getting denied. That's not fun. What's going through your guys' head as, you're, as they're not making an inch towards coming yet? At first... It was a no. And it wasn't like, don't talk to us about it. It was just a no. And as they saw a change in us, then they kind of opened up a little bit more, and we would talk about it more. And it wasn't a no. It was more of, oh, really, how, how'd that go or how'd this go? And, and you could see them open up to it. So it wasn't, I mean, 104 weeks of no, no, no. It would be like, okay, I get it. <laughs> but, but it wasn't. You could see them open up, and that's what I think helped us continue to pursue them is that you could see the change in them too. For me, um, the people that I do life with on earth, I can't imagine doing life without. So I don't want to spend eternity without you guys by my side. There's a party in heaven, and I'm going to, do everything possible to get my oikos in heaven to party with me because it's just not the same when you guys aren't there. Amen. So, Amen. And I would use the term with them, you know, um, how do you know if you don't like it? You've never tried it. Try it once. It's one hour. If you don't like it, you never have to come again. And that's what we tell our kids, right? So we have to lead by example and show them that we're willing to try things new to see what is going to open our hearts and, you know, what we can do to get closer to God. And one of the key things is, is we kind of talked um, earlier in the week. One of the things that the Klinglers did to the Roberts is that they pursued them but did not push them. And that's key for any of you that follow Jesus and have people that are de-churched or unchurched or whatever it is, is that don't push because at a point where you push, they will break and just put a wall up to you. I'm done with this then. 
But if you pursue exactly what Jesus does in our lives, he pursues us. If you pursue them lovingly, kindly, thoughtfully, and just constant in prayer, maybe you'll see the heart change more and more. And you guys said it, um, they didn't push. Uh, they pursued. Um, then came a moment, 104 weeks, five, about two years of pushing, not pushing, pursuing. And uh, came a moment where you decided we're going to step foot and actually go to church. Uh, explain that. To be honest, it was our daughter, Sophia. Um, she was going to a preschool at the Presbyterian Church and obviously was with us most of the time that we were with Jade and Steve. And she just said one weekend, Mom and Dad, I, I really want to go try church. And, um, I mean, how can you say no to that? Uh, so we came. We were curious. You know, we had gotten to the point where we had heard tons of good stuff from Jade and Steve, and we were curious to come learn too. And she was just kind of the break fall that was like, all right, let's go. Yeah, and one of the things that, as you guys had pursued them, um, what was the conversation that you had about when you knew they were going to come, what were you saying to them? We basically said, oh, awesome, you're coming. Where, where would you like to meet? Would you like to meet at the coffee shop, Five Lakes, and do we ride together? Or would you like to meet here in the lobby or in the parking lot? Or we're definitely going to sit together. So try opening and inviting to bring them and be with them. That way it's not an awkward situation to walk in and not know anybody. Most people don't realize once they walk in, they're going to know people here anyway. But to be a newcomer, you don't, you don't think that way. You just think that everybody's going to be staring at me and know that I'm the oddball. Well, they're not saying that's what we did. We, I don't know, we met them at Five Lakes or, and we rode together and, and then they've been here ever since. Yeah. So one of the key things, this is more of like an inspiration message, is that those people that are in your life that you know, hey, hey could, ha could really help some, with some Jesus in their life, um, try the best of your ability to be welcoming of the church before they even step foot in the church. So for them, we'll meet you at Five Lakes. They set the temperature and the environment before they even step foot here. But none of this happens if the relationships um, don't happen. So now all of a sudden, they're coming. Uh, what's your guys' response? You know, now they're here. They're not only here, they both get saved. Um, Josh and his daughter get baptized. And then I got a picture of, of Lauren eventually getting baptized as well. And going on, uh, now you guys are serving, Lauren, you've been on a missions trip, and you're going to go again in October uh, to Africa, to Sierra Leone. What's your guys' response knowing that for two years, they haven't put up a wall, but they're just not moving. Now all of a sudden, they're here, they're saved, you, they're changed. What's going on in your guys' head? Just so grateful. Um, I was standing next to Patricia when she took this picture. And my face mimicked Lauren's because I knew she was not only my sister on earth, but also my sister in God. And so, uh, you know, nothing makes my heart happier than when your best friends, you know, come into a relationship with God and you can see their relationship just grow. Just ecstatic. I remember Josh said this in first service that... Uh, it was December, and he was still saying no, because fishing. I said, 
Josh, nobody, no bass bite in the middle of December through the ice. And that got him to realize, hey, Steve's right. That's my excuse. And then they started coming. It was just ecstatic, you know, just the fact that they're here. And uh, what's been your guys' experience? Just the difference that Jesus is making in your guys' life? For me, I'm free. Uh, for me, the biggest thing is probably just knowing that I need God in my life. Um, you know, we started coming to church, and then last year my mom and dad both passed away, and I don't think I could have gotten through all that stuff without knowing that he was doing life with me. And for many of you who don't know, Lauren's mom and dad passed away six months apart from each other. And she got through it because she knew God was with her. Imagine Lauren going through that with no hope if they never invested in them in the first place for two years trying to get them to come here. I don't know if you heard Josh. Josh said, I don't know how we would have made out if that basically would have never happened to go through that. That's tough losing one parent, but both in six months apart? Jeez. This didn't start here. You guys had impact here because they were part of that 8 to 15, the oikos that God has strategically placed people in our lives for a reason, but you guys were a part of another oikos without even realizing it as well that had impact in your life. Yeah, when uh, Jade first started coming and then took two years for me to come in, uh, I didn't think I needed to come to a man-made building to come to, you know, to be part of church, but I didn't realize then that I do now that this man-made building is not the church. We are the church. Everybody here is the church. This building can disappear. It doesn't matter. We are the church. And I had to sit up here in first service and look at our oikos that brought us in because Mike and Lori Schrock were sitting right over there and Gary Hansen was sitting there. And we were at uh, Karen Lindsay's wake. Dave Lindsay was sitting over there. And I said that I was sitting there and uh, just reeling from losing a friend. And uh, Gary walked up to me and he said, you know, Steve, he said, you have two beautiful daughters, and someday you would like them to date a good Christian boy. And you're not leading by example because you're not coming to church. And the Holy Spirit was moving in that room that day because Dave, I found this out after first service, Dave Lindsay had talked to Gary and that because he used to come with Karen to this church. And when Karen passed, Dave made a vow that he was going to keep coming, and he comes and sits over there every week, and he still does it. And I literally gave Gary the biggest hug and said, you're right, I'm going to start coming. I put my drink down, walked over and saw Mike Schrock, gave him the biggest hug, and told him I'm in. I'm in, and I've been here ever since. So it just, we weren't the first. Other people brought us in, we brought them in, they bring in other people in, and it's, there's many people in this room that we brought in as well, that, that it's... It just continues to grow. That's how the church grows. That's why we're having this Come Alive initiative. Everything grows because of this. And just don't push. Just be open and talk, talk about it. Talk about your lives. One of the key things I think that Steve said is, um, he said it earlier, is this isn't just a thing I do on Sunday. It's a part of who I am. It's, it's my life. And so a lot of us 
we're, we're not there yet. For a lot of us, our mentality is still, this is just the thing I do on Sunday. This is not yet fully a part of my life. So it doesn't may, may not come natural to you to talk about who God is because you only do God on Sunday morning. But it's so much bigger than that and so much more powerful than that. And I want everyone to know God has placed you with an oikos for a reason. Those 8 to 15 people that he has strategically placed in your life. And I want you to know that God wants to change the world through you. You are his plan. You are his agents that he wants to use in this world to change lives. And look at the way one couple who had Jade and Steve in their oikos changed, allowed, got used by God, brought them here. They're moving and grooving. Jade and Steve have an oikos bringing their friends in to experience Jesus. And now who knows what oikos the Roberts have and the impact that they're going to have. And it's a ripple effect. This is 95% of the people come into relationship with Jesus because of this. It's all about connected. It's all about being connected in relationships. And one of the things Jesus set the example for us is he always connected before he corrected. Connect relationships. It's there for a reason. Hey, can we give the Klinglers and the Roberts a hand for coming up and just sharing with us? Thank you, guys. Thank you. I briefly uh, decided I'm going to create a handout for everyone to walk away with. And ushers, I don't know if you have these. Do you have these? You do. Awesome, because I forgot to tell you guys. Um, these, everyone's going to walk away. Ushers, you can come forward, and um, they're going to sit in the center aisles and pass them out that, this way. Um, but on the front, it says 8 to 15. The world is smaller than you think. And then on the bottom it says oikos, turning the world upside down for Jesus, one life at a time. It's just a great reminder, but the backside is where the rubber meets the road. The backside has that statistic that 95% of all believers give their heart to Jesus because of the primary influence of someone in their oikos, so let's be intentional. And then there's five quick steps for you to take. Step one, list your oikos, those 8 to 15 people God's placed in your life, and you have 15 blanks to just write in names. There could be, again, your friends, your family members, your coworkers, that barista that's always your barista when you go to Five Lakes, and she's just always there, or Bigby, wherever you go, and they're always there. Why are they always there? Coincidence? I think not. I think that's a God-appointed time in your life. So write that person down. Write that same cashier you always get that you know at Meijer or Walmart or wherever. Step number two, pray daily for your oikos, that each one would be open to God's love. Step three, invest in your oikos. Watch for appropriate ways to be used by God. Step four, invite your oikos to church regularly and thoughtfully. We don't just create those next series cards for any reason create them because we know that God has you in an oikos to invite and to radically change for his kingdom. And then step five, prepare to become a better example of Jesus to your oikos. I want to encourage you every day that you fill this out, maybe today or tomorrow, just take time. And I want to encourage you, at least this is what I do, I want to encourage you to grab this and pray every day. I stuck mine in my Bible that I do my my devotions in the morning. I 
have it there and I can pray for my people that I know that they're in my life for a reason. And I just got to be Jesus to them and invite them to experience who he is. I know for some of us, you may be sitting back and saying, ah, yeah, that's nice. Only extra, extroverts can do this. I'm an introvert. I'm actually an ambivert. I'm like an amphibian that can change, you know? Like, I, I, there's times I have to be an extrovert. I can do that, but I prefer to be an introvert, All right? Hey, you can do it. In fact, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he reminds us all that we can do it. This is what he says. He's, he has committed to us, to you and I, the message of reconciliation. In other words, he's given you a purpose. You have a message to go tell people that there's a God and he can redeem your brokenness and he can forgive you of everything you've ever done, no matter what your past is. And then he doesn't stop there. He says one more thing. We are therefore Christ's what, friends? Ambassadors. This word means you are the representation of Jesus to this world. You're it. And God wants to change the world through you. That's why he's placed those people in your life for a reason. And I close with this. There are two things in this world you cannot do in heaven, but you can do here on earth. Two things that you cannot do in heaven, but you can do here. Number one, sin. Can't do that in heaven. You can do that here. And the other one is share Jesus with non-believers. You ever thought about that? All eternity you'll be with believers. Which which side of the line do you think God wants you to pursue the rest of your life? us, you picking us up over and over 